0: Welcome to Let's Talk Farm to Fork, the post-harvest podcast that interviews people making an impact in the fresh produce sector. We'll take a deep dive into what they do and find out how they're helping to reduce the amount of food lost or wasted along the farm to fork journey. But before we get started, did you know that according to the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, around 45% of the world's fruits and vegetables go to waste each year? If you would like to learn more about how you can practically play your part in maximizing fruit and vegetable supplies, whether you're a part of the industry or simply a consumer, visit postharvest.com and try out their free online course library today. Now, time for your host, Mitchell Denton. Hi there, and welcome to
1: Let's Talk Farm to Fork, the post-harvest podcast that interviews people of interest across the food supply chain. Today on our show, I'm joined by Brandon Contino from 4Growers, who I'll be talking to about how their autonomous harvesting robots are a labor shortage solution that is helping increase yields. So with no further delays, let's get started. Well, good morning, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Before we get into it, though, I just want to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and maybe a fun fact about yourself.
2: Yeah, sure thing. So my background's in electrical engineering, but spent a lot of my time in the software side. So computer vision, motion planning algorithms, uh, based here out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the US. And today I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Four Growers. Mm -hmm. And we're building uh, automated harvesting and AI analytics uh, robots for starting in the greenhouse industry. I guess a fun fact about myself, let's see... I tend to change hobbies about every quarter. And I think right now the one I'm really into is uh, stable diffusion. Mm. So I've been playing around a lot with generating, uh, you know, the Gen AI kind of custom images, really outlandish images uh, Mm. that would take forever to to create yourself.
1: Yeah, wow. Well, before we get bogged down on that too much, let's talk a little bit more about 4Growers. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of 4Growers and how your autonomous harvesting technology works?
2: Yeah, definitely. We, our history is a little bit, uh, we'll say, windy. We didn't always set out to build a robot from the start. Uh, me and my co-founder were really interested in how can we help improve the food system. And we really were exploring how can you grow food more sustainably. And one of my big focuses was really around water scarcity. And so how can we do it with a lot more water efficiency? And so my co-founder had actually grown hydroponic uh, lettuce for local food banks here. And we were actually looking at building a vertical farm. And we were going to become growers here in Pittsburgh, uh, except we couldn't really build full conviction once we started looking at the business model, at least in the near term, that you could really build something at scale that would have commodity level pricing. And so we kind of took a step back, to be honest, six years ago, didn't even know greenhouses existed and uh, realized how amazing they are. They're mm-hmm. over 90% more water efficient. They're 30 times more land efficient. You can They're climate invariant. You can grow wherever. Basically, all the benefits of vertical farming exist in greenhouses without that really big energy intensivity and kind of the part that makes it really challenging to be successful. And uh, from there, we just started picking up the phone and calling uh, different greenhouse owners, cold calling, trying to get access to them. Half the time, we'd get hung up on by the receptionist. Half the time, we'd get through. And we would just always ask them, you know, what is the biggest pain point? Why aren't there more greenhouses? How can we help you scale? And everybody always said labor. And uh, so that's... That was the very beginning. Uh, then my background in computer vision motion plan and my co-founder mechanical engineering designing custom grippers, we realized we had the perfect skill set to attempt to solve this problem. And we basically went and just moved into the greenhouse. Uh, and so the very beginning days, we were literally just living in the greenhouse pretty much every day working. You know, we'd be there at 1 a.m. We'd be there at 4 p.m. when it's over 120 Fahrenheit in the greenhouse. That was a really great uh, kind of beginning experience. And now, now we're much bigger, but it was a kind of fun start. Our autonomous harvesting technology, we're a little unique in how we go about doing is we've developed this, uh, what we call like a soft pick, uh, a vacuum-based technology. And so we use a robotic arm that with our custom AI perception models and the whole data sets we built to train it and our own motion planning is able to reach out into a plant, uh, reach around other stems and other obstacles, uh, pick the tomatoes off the plant using vacuum and then also deposit it into this cart that can hold 24 different crates. And so we can do entire rows autonomously without any need for any human intervention. And we're able to now, on our best harvest, even do it faster than what a person might be able to do.
1: What would you say separates the GR100 from other competing technology and methods of picking produce beyond what you were listing before?
2: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing by far is definitely the speed. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen a lot of uh, robot harvesting videos, especially in the specialty crop area, mm. uh, but a lot of times you'll kind of see it, it starts to move and all of a sudden it's 10 seconds and it's almost to the tomato and then it's 20 <laughs> seconds and it finally gets yeah. it and it comes back yeah. and it's really cool when you see it, you know, like pick that one tomato mm. and then you talk to grow and the grow is just kind of like scowling or laughing and it's like, <laughs> this is never going to work, yeah. uh, never going to work for me. And so I think that's really the, the one of the big things uh, that's different about ours is, we have that speed to really make it uh, economical and feasible uh, Mm -hmm. for growers. I think that's kind of the the number one thing. And then after that, I think the next challenge that we learned from being in the greenhouse so often is even though harvesting is the hardest part, unless you solve the logistics of, you know, what do you do with all these tomatoes once you pick them? Because you can't always stack them very high because they'll damage themselves, is how do you handle that? So that way you don't need a person to interact with the robot every 10 minutes. And so that's where this whole secondary system of the packing cart is what we call it comes into play. So I think really it's that, that super fast picking, which is a mixture of the vacuum technology and our perception models and our AI and our motion planning, and then the logistics of being able to pack it and really integrate with the existing greenhouse workflow.
1: It's funny that you should mention speed, because now that I think about it, a lot of like the tech highlight videos you'll see on YouTube and things like that, more often than not, they're playing at like four times speed. So it's yep. kind of funny to, to really ponder on that. And it's like, yeah, they probably are operating at a very painful rate.
2: Yeah. And even those four times speed, sometimes still it's like kind of slow. And you're like, okay, like that's not too bad. It's just a little slow. And then you see the 4X, like, oh, okay, that's actually really bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So then what's been your team's biggest challenge so far with your innovative product? And how did you overcome it?
2: Yeah. So one of the hardest parts for us is we made a very conscious decision in the beginning. A big part of our design philosophy is we really want to make it easy for growers to adopt our technology. We really want to work with the growers, understand their problems. And so with that, we made a decision that we want to make a system that does not require any major infrastructural changes into the greenhouse. Mm. Um, Which I'm not sure if you've ever kind of done any uh, major engineering projects or anything in the past, but it's really nice when you go to an engineering team and say, hey, you have a blank paper and you can just design whatever you want. Mm. Uh, It makes things much easier, but we put those constraints of, hey, you need to operate in the existing greenhouse workflow and we're going to figure out how we're going to make this happen. And so it creates a lot more difficulties to build something that can do that.
1: Yeah. So then how does four growers address sustainability and environmental concerns in their post-harvest operations?
2: Yeah, so one of the things that we really focus on is part of it is just really supporting the greenhouse space. Uh, So Mm. by building the autonomous robot that we have in the analytics, uh, being able to enable this greenhouse industry to really expand uh, we think it's going to have very great impacts on the environment. So we, earlier we kind of talked about the, the water efficiency, the land efficiency, the climate and variability. Uh, with that, I think it's also you start to have greenhouses being located a lot more closely uh, to the the end customer. And so with that, you can reduce some of the transportation miles, kind of higher quality produce. And so I think for us really enabling the greenhouse is, is a big part right there.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier labor issues within vertical farms and greenhouses i was just wondering outside of that what would you say is one of the biggest challenges that these industries face today
2: yeah so i think number one is definitely it's labor 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 it's funny i was talking to a grower a couple of weeks ago and i asked him first time i met him kind of like what are the biggest challenges or are like top three and he said labor labor and labor and i was trying to get something else and he just kept going for labor like fix the labor <laughs> problem for me yeah, uh, But after that, I think from my experience, what I've seen is energy. Uh, it's much bigger problem in the vertical farming space. In vertical farming, I might even say energy is number one before labor. Mm-hmm. Um, but energy tends to be number two. Uh, energy just in terms of if you have any type of lights in your operation or if you're doing any type of heat, depending on your climate, energy can sometimes uh, be a bit of a challenge.
1: Yeah, okay. So then what would you say is the biggest revelation you've had about the ag tech industry while working at 4Growers?
2: Yeah, there's been a, I've learned a lot definitely about the ag tech industry, Uh, really just being able to kind of live in it, be in the greenhouse every day. One of the most fun things I've learned is, uh, do you know what a peduncle
1: is? No idea.
2: (laughs) I had no idea what that was either. Uh, So, you know, uh, on tomatoes, they sometimes come on a vine. Mm Mm-hmm that green vine that they come on is called a peduncle. And then the, uh, the little crown thing on top of the tomato is called a calic. Okay. Uh, So it's some of those, uh, those fun words that you end up learning about the space. Um, But I think for me, just kind of zooming out a little bit more to the whole ag tech industry, it's been really interesting to see, uh, you know, how the future is going to move forward. And I think part of this is around the future, the food system and I think the changing in diets to having more higher quality kind of healthier produce Mm. versus in the past, we've really been focused on a lot of the more commodity kind of row crops. And I think we're now at a point where the software and the automation is finally going to make it possible where you might see some of those gains that we got for the commodity crops are finally going to come now to our healthy fruits and vegetables.
1: That's cool. That's really exciting. So, can you talk about any ongoing research or development projects at Four Growers?
2: Yeah, so we've uh, not only have we been able to pick tomatoes, but we've also now picked our second crop. I think we'll be showing a video of that in the next uh, couple weeks. We'll release the first video, Uh, and then what's been really interesting is as we've been out there in our customer greenhouses picking. So we're deployed now across Canada and the Netherlands, and kind of continual everyday customer operations is we're gathering a lot of data around each individual plant Hmm. and so before a greenhouse you don't really have a really good granularity understanding of the environment that you're in or even the plants Hmm. Um, and so what we're able to start to do is we're starting to get information down to the per meter squared level and being able to provide insights around kind of yield heat maps uh, yield predictions and over time continuing to build out some of these analytics capabilities so not only can we help guarantee That growers can pick their tomatoes when they need to get them picked, but we'll also be able to start increasing their yields and be able to provide additional value to really help us grow even more, more Mm. and to become even more efficient with the resources that
1: we're using. Yeah, that's fantastic. We've, We've been talking a little bit about the future here, and I was just wondering, where do you see the future of ag tech heading?
2: Yeah, I think in ag tech, there's a few different verticals. You kind of have the more like automation, AI perception side of ag tech. You also have more the biologicals or maybe some of the like alternative meat side of ag tech. And then you also have some of maybe like the supply chain pieces of ag tech. So I think there's a, a quite a few different areas. I think there's others that I didn't even cover right there. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we're, we're obviously a little bit biased in the automation kind of AI software kind of right in the farm making improvements. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're going to see is that this concept or this dream that people have been talking about of like automated harvesting for your fresh fruits and vegetables is not really a far out dream anymore. I think it's really becoming a reality. And I think what we're going to see is as we start getting more of these units in the field, I think we don't even fully understand what the value of the data is going to be that we collect. And so, for example, we've never really been able to have this really high granularity across our entire food system. Mm-hmm. But imagine like all the all the USDA reporting, all the kind of governmental stuff reporting, what if you start to have more of that information, and you can start optimizing your supply chain better. And what if there's ways that we can actually minimize food waste because we have a much better understanding of what food is where and kind of when it was picked and how long ago it was picked. And I think there's going to be almost this whole next level of applications that are going to be built on top of all the data that is now going to be available.
1: Yeah, Well oh, that's really exciting. On that note, is there a particular group or innovation within the industry that you're excitedly keeping a watchful eye on?
2: Yeah, one thing for us uh, is the concept of almost like the next generation sensors. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our sensors today, uh, you know, you kind of have your RGB, you have your depth, you have your temperature, your humidity, uh, things like that. I think there's some really interesting research around non-invasive hyperspectral sensors that are at a lower cost. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting for us because what if in the future today uh, we pretty much pick all of our our fruit based off of color because that's really one of the only things that you can see and do very quickly. But with these hyperspectral, what if you could start picking your fruit based off of the sugar content? Mm -hmm. And so you can really start to get to the next level of really ripeness filtering making sure you always have that best quality product and picking it right when it's at its peak ripeness. is so that something that we're really interested in and something that we're uh very excited and i think will be coming in the next few years
1: what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs who are interested in starting in the ag tech space
2: yeah i think on that i i would say the number one thing is really to just get in the field mm-hmm. um i think uh there's been so many companies in ag tech that have started with a cool idea uh, that have built something and then have gone to a farmer and the farmer has just said, this doesn't solve any of my problems. Hmm. And, you know, farmers are very smart. They really know their business and they are really one of, many of them have been around for a long time and they don't always have the biggest margin. So they're very smart and they're very focused on what they do and they're always very busy. And so they don't really have time to have something that doesn't solve a problem, and they're not going to spend money on something that doesn't solve a problem. And so I think really getting in the field and just talking to the growers, the farmers, and understanding their pain points uh, is one of the, in my opinion, one of the best first things you can do. So that mm-hmm. way you build something that is a real solution to them and not just something that creates more noise.
1: Absolutely. So, Brandon, we are coming to a close, but before we do, I just wanted to ask you, what is the main point you really want the listeners to take away from this episode? Yeah, I think
2: uh, in regards to uh, some of our greenhouse-grown vegetables today, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier of automated harvesting being this dream or this thing that's coming in the future, it's really here today. Uh, We've made it to the point where, I guess in Australia, if anyone's listening there, hasn't had one of the tomatoes that's been picked by a robot. But mm-hmm. if you live in the Netherlands or if you live in the US or in Canada, there's a very real possibility that you have now actually eaten a cherry or grape tomato that had been harvested by a robot. Yeah. And I think that's one of those uh, really cool things to think about.
1: No, that's that's really cool. And I mean we're just at the doorstep. I feel like Australia is very much pushing innovation in a lot of different areas of the food industry. And I feel like robot harvesting is just around the corner for us. So.
2: Yeah, I fully agree. I actually was just talking with a grower from Australia a couple of weeks ago at a conference and very excited to, uh, to see if there might be an opportunity for us to uh, have some deployments there in the near future.
1: That'll be awesome. Well, that's all for today's episode of Let's Talk Farm to Fork. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Brandon, for joining me today. My
2: pleasure. Thanks for having
1: me. If you'd like to know more about Brandon and 4Growers, check out the link in the description of this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to write a review and share with your friends. Until
0: next time, you've been listening to Let's Talk Farm to
1: Fork, a post-harvest podcast.
0: We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Farm to Fork. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you would like to learn more about how you can practically play your part in maximizing fruit and vegetable supplies, whether you're a supplier, consumer, or anyone in between the farm-to-fork journey, visit Postharvest.com and try out their free online course library today.